0: Cut it out.
1: And that's going to get me every time until uh, we're into, you know, sleigh bells or whatnot. Hey, everybody, welcome back to X's for Show, your favorite media response show.
2: You can check us out at Exit for Show on all your socials. As for me, I'm Nico Action. And I'm TK. You can find me at TK Elemental.
0: And that makes me your producer,
1: Kevo Reilly.
2: And we are here to talk same day.
1: About a a new Drag Race episode, uh, but it's of a familiar brand that is not exactly Drag Race. Uh, We're going to talk about some classic Drag Race UK. We're going to talk about some new shows. We have the uh, audience suggested Beacon 23, uh, the monster related show Monarch, right? Um, And then Lego Masters. Have I missed anything?
2: No, no, but I'm going to plug for one show, not for us to discuss, but for the audience to watch at the very end.
1: Ooh, okay. I'm down. Uh, also, uh, we are going to plug uh, the, the new Doctor Who, uh, Children in Need dropped. That's, of course, worth mentioning, right? Uh, we got a lot of stuff today. It's going to be a really good episode. Uh, and I can't wait to get into it. Uh, but as always, in order to do this thing and to do it right, Uh, We need a little bit of help from none other than our absolute favorite drag boy, who uh, really, he's just a big fan of drag race. He doesn't do drag. He's way too hairy for that. But uh, when you get on camera, everyone's going to see the beard and everyone's going to be like, oh, Mm -hmm. just come in.
0: (laughs) You've got that whole boardwalk behind you, you guys. I don't know why you can't make this work.
3: We're doing it. He just hey, he, he just reads me, and then expects me to get on all willy nilly like we're not fighting now. No, I'm just well, I mean, you know, it, I'm beard- going to be a bearded queen.
1: Yeah. Thank you, Robbie. Robbie's ready for the fight.
0: Robbie's ready for it. All right. Well, who are you? Where can I find
3: you? Uh, no, we're not beefing. It's all squashed. We're good. We we put it under the bridge. Uh, you can find me over on any social at Peak Jonah. That's P-E-A-K. All right,
1: so let's uh, let's address the the big thing we got to talk about. This was just an episode of Project Runway. We're here uh, primarily to talk about Glam Slam, which I finally am not going to call uh, Slamula. Or um, grand, grand
0: slam. I was gonna say it's
2: grand slam in the in the script. Oh,
1: great! All man. over the script. Thanks. All over. That was great. wonderful. Yeah. Loved it. All right. So this was basically just Project Runway. This was just yeah Project Runway for
2: um retired drag queens. Uh, none of these people are retired, and I it was a Project Runway esque slice of the drag experience. It is costume construction, but uh none of these people could have gotten away with these looks on project runway uh and i that was i think one of the things that i liked about it right off the bat is it was so much more about the vibe and the prompt and the prompt is not like a project runway prompt which is like how do you make uh, going back to high school couture? This was like, make a look for a queen walking to the bodega, which is so much more drag. On her walk of shame. On her walk of shame to the bodega, which is so much more drag than it is Project Runway. And so, like, yes, it is It is a competitive construction of garment, which is Project Runway's deal. But in such a different vein that... Um, For me, at least, it felt a little more my comfort zone. Well,
1: I like that. Yeah, that leads me to uh, my big question then. What other shows would you guys want to see crossed over with the Queens from Drag Race? For me, it'd be MTV's Fear. Uh, That was the show where they were like, this is a haunted boarding school. Get in this coffin. And uh, would then bury them alive for 45 minutes. I want to see Thorgy Thor try to dig herself out of uh, a living grave. I think that would be badass if Thorgy wanted to do that. Yeah. That's Chris Dragula.
0: No, or
1: like
0: like total blackout. Like in that genre of, you know, these women love to scream. Let's give them something to scream about. That will be wildly entertaining. Uh, Let them all be scream queens.
3: I want to be a little messy, and I'll say, give me full Drag Race Big Brother. Give me them all living the exact same place, recorded twenty-four-seven, and having to do these stressful challenges and eliminate each other one by one. That's it's me, one.
1: Tamara, and that's me living with Kara.
0: <laughs> Too much tea. Is that not simply expanding Drag Race to seeing the girls at home, though? I'm not complaining or would there be no competition like that and it would it would just be the weird big brother
3: competition. Oh it just it would just literally just be big brother.
2: I okay. think a lot of the challenges in the house would involve them having to get into drag. Probably. But it would It's be, all quick drag. Right. It's
3: all that 20 minutes the, a prayer in a dream like you're making puppets. Puppets. Puppets.
1: Big it's sister. The, it's the puppets. So uh TK what what's your choice? What's the reality show? Are you looking for top chef, but like the menu? No, I drag
2: race the menu. I absolutely am not. I've seen, um, drag me to dinner. I don't want these Queens near a stove ever again. That was a rough experience. Yeah. Uh, Notice how
1: little of that Bianca material for her new tour promotes as, uh, the star of drag me to dinner.
2: Yeah, exactly. Uh, I'm going to go for a deep and obscure cut for the children, uh MTV's boiling points mm-hmm. uh because some of these girls have nerves of steel and will last forever and some of them can't be inconvenienced by a person standing in front of the door they're trying to get out of MTV's boiling points is one of the greatest things they have ever done because it included my two favorite people Lady Gaga and Debbie from my Spanish class
3: can I can I uh, add a secondary answer? Because I love that and I'm inspired. Yes. I would love from the MTV hit show where they're all contestants. Uh, MTV's Date My Mom, which was a dating reality show. Yes. Where the singular Bachelor would date each person's mom before yep. being introduced to them and then deciding to who to date based off of that. Yep. Uh, riveting TV. Yep. I would absolutely love to see this. Yep. You know, and I feel like
1: it's a little bit, I just enjoy picking on Thorgie. But, uh, you know, one of the things that I do think um, that is a little bit what this show really gave us was the opportunity for these queens to kind of thrive in different ways. It turns out, if the stakes are low enough, Thorgie is charming in her competitiveness. And that I didn't have to see any of these girls get in drag meant like I did not see these women become physically uncomfortable for several hours. Yeah. Uh, I was living it for these girls, having their day, having their night. Um but you know, the idea that this was so low stress. Hold on though. We didn't come cross my mind. We didn't get
2: Kevo's answer yet.
1: You know, I would I
0: really hear your fear of letting them near a kitchen again. I feel like they didn't come significantly near enough. A kitchen in right. drag to right. dinner. Yes, that I would love to see something like that. Yeah. Uh, or
2: I, but uh, you would have to make it worse cooks though. I wouldn't want it to be Top Chef. I yes. would want it to be worse cooks.
0: Okay. Yeah. 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 I'd love something like that. Uh, I'd love something wild like them on Lego, or something even wilder like uh, drag queens in the wild survivalist like how do you make drag out of mud i don't know but that's that's the sort of stuff that we can mix this up with and i think glam slam uh is really opening the door to a lot of new drag content that they can do it's one of those things where uh they're definitely listening to us because we've been asking for something like this and uh here it is so that's pretty exciting
2: that was kind of my big thesis about this. Uh, it is what, whatever it is, and we'll get to it in a second. But conceptually, we have turned that dial on maybe give us some more specific content rather than doing the, the drag race format three times a year you know for english speaking franchises and it's starting to wear a little bit thin because we know what's happening every time and if we don't know what's happening it's only because they're gaslighting us about what's going on and who's doing well and it's just like i'm getting a little sick of every queen Really needing to come in very well-rounded and multi-talented, failing to do so for any number of reasons, including that maybe they're just specialists. Some queens are the best garment maker in the business, yeah. but they, they cannot craft a joke. So them going on Drag Race kind of sucks, because inevitably they're going to have two to five comedy challenges, which they're just going to bomb because they specialized. And Dee. Dee. It, That we're getting there. Don't worry. Uh, And, (laughs) you know, I just think rather than making the competition as broad as possible and then setting people up to fail, this idea of making it much more specific and then bringing on people... That it's, it's weird because it's much more specific. They're bringing on people that are good at constructing garments, but then it's actually low stakes. So it's actually a really nice mix of elements that are missing from the main Drag Race franchise. And I'm just like, okay, now do this, but for roasts. Do this, but for singing. And I think that one of the right. things that's so great about this one was that they also added in... <clears throat> sorry about that.
1: They also added in the element that was... Come as your favorite Fred Armisen character.
3: And Thorgy really set the bar. It's My true. favorite thing Thorgy said this episode was she's going on her list of inspirations and she goes, Oh, let me see sound like a crazy person. Yes, Thorgy, because you're crazy. Yep. And we love you for it. Yep. Which love, is crazy. Thorgy. Yep. love
1: Thorgy. Love, love Thorgy. Love Um. Okay, so we've talked other reality shows, but now let's talk about this one. The... Uh, idea behind Grand Slam Glam, Glam. Slam Glam Slam is <laughs> is what if these girls got another chance to come back and show off another set of skills they're each tasked to make a look that is then modeled by a pair of identical twins and it's eight women competing or eight girls competing right and uh the other six queens vote And uh, there's an elimination element. And I want to start with the idea behind this not involving drag. Yeah. I want to just say like 80 points to every one of these girls who said, no, 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 sweetie. I'm a brand. And my brand does not always need to be in look. That's like brilliant for some of these girls. Like Lux, who, you know, I think her trade on her season was look at my looks and then look at her here being re- – because, you know, we haven't seen her on the show yet. But, like, look at her here ready to perform and be adorable. Like, I'm I'm ready. I'm ready to fall in love with Lux.
2: I did think it was notable that Lux was the only person that didn't get a talking head explaining her
1: vote. Oh, my goodness.
2: <laughs> and I'm dying to know what she said that they were like, we're not airing that. Uh, knowing uh, – n- knowing- not
3: knowing personally, just knowing Lux on the show, it was probably something arguably very funny. Yes, but a little super mean.
0: But why? It looked like garbage. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, I also
1: just, can we talk yeah. about that uh, Lucy came to this uh, this photo shoot and said, I want you to pause, ex-, I'm sorry. <clears throat> I want you to pause exactly when I look my most Vin Diesel, okay? It needs to be very family family you know that's when i want you to pause and so like that's lucy in this moment in this in this frame um the thing i love the most about it is lucy is all neck in this photo and i am all here for i worked
0: so hard to try and get better and i was like no some of you just did not think about the poses that you were putting out there like fine uh no Thorgy, what are you gonna do? Fine. And then I just couldn't get one where Jan was not covering her own face. I and just that's a, a choice.
1: Expression from her.
0: And instead she's doing Mary Catherine Gallagher, and that was her choice, <laughs> and that's okay.
3: That is okay. And this isn't a shade. Lucy in that picture looks a little bit like um Mikey Titus's boyfriend from Yes. From yeah. Kimmy Schmidt, um, yep. Unbreakable Kimmy
2: Schmidt. Yep. Um, oh, Lucy looks like she's going to introduce me to her Pupats. Yes. <laughs> I I have to bring up now, I want to get this out of the way early so that we can have talked about it and I don't have to say it again. It I is had a, to edit out Sherry Pie. It's a big rule for me that I try not to talk, about, talk shit about anybody on reality shows like this. I try very rarely to talk shit about the queens. I really try and be like, I didn't love this, but they're great. Uh, I hate Robert Anderson probably more than any gay on the internet. I think he is the most annoying person. I'm actively rooting against him. Uh, This is the only thing I didn't like about this show. And every time I see him, he gets deader behind the eyes. He is now uh, in the running with Anthony from Queer Eye as deadest internet gay behind the eyes. And uh, you know, despite all that, I still am rooting for this show. And Monet is amazing. Monet is a fantastic host. I'm I don't vibe with Monet the most out of anybody, but I think this is the most I have ever vibed with her. I think she's so good as this host. And I just am so sorry that Robert is dragging her down.
1: I love the girls agree. I
0: really appreciate you being the one to say it because i wish i didn't agree you have a lot it seems more uh, I've, I've been thinking
2: I about this for years uh since I, I got on tiktok
0: and i wish i didn't because he puts out such great content and clearly has such a great vibe and great energy but whenever show contributor Tori sends me one of his videos i'm like But this just he's just being annoying about a topic instead of being informative and educational like and that just I I don't know. I I wish I didn't feel that way Uh, because, yeah, this is a really great show. Uh, Monet is giving such really great energy. She's playing off of him very well. Uh, I think it's hilarious that he that he committed a faux pas on the first episode, though. So that's go ahead. two faux pas.
2: Those overalls are faux pas number two.
1: And I just want to say that one of the things I loved about this episode that uh, Jonah can back me up on was it was so sweet to see the Not Bob squad um, Mm -hmm. with Monet and Thorgie just uh, up here being Not Bob. That was – I guess this show could be called What Happens When You Can't Get Bob. Mm
2: -hmm. So, um, Though if you are on YouTube (laughs) – (laughs) <laughs> if you're on YouTube watching this and you're just clicking around, Bob does have a new stand-up comedy special on YouTube that is really funny. It's really good. So you know, make it a full two-hour evening for yourself and your friends, and watch this, and then watch Bob's comedy special. That is very it's, funny.
3: It's very good. Bob, I, I say this, I, like I revere Bob in terms of like how Bob approaches comedy. Because I don't think I've ever really seen an entertainer where comedy just comes so naturally that it's almost a little bizarre how talented Bob is with comedy. It's actually almost insane.
2: There are times where you're like, I don't actually think he's trying. I'm not going to give him any effort or any, like, props for trying here. I think he just got up there and talked and it ended up being the funniest thing I heard.
3: I, um... Well, one of my favorite things about this episode, uh, shout out to Monet. Obviously, Monet's been in Brooklyn and New York for a very long time, uh, currently in LA. But more importantly, Monet got the bodega order right. Bacon, egg, and cheese, salt, pepper, ketchup. The correct order. The (laughs) only order.
1: Hold on. I I need to... Bruno Campos asks a question. And Jonah, you are a Monet stan. So I I do care about your response. Now... Bruno says controversy is not Monet the most overused rue queen ever super professional talent though I'm gonna say Jonah weigh in first is Monet perhaps over you know uh, Jennifer Hudson style when we have so many other talented girls who could uh, you know flourish with a little bit more uh, attention you know I think Thorgy uh, I know she she shies away from the spotlight, but um, I bet she would love to do more hosting.
3: It really depends on what you're guessing dividing by overuse, which is you know, a very standard definition of overuse. I think there's an argument to be made that that Monet is utilized a lot by the drag race team, but I think that part of that is because of Monet's charm. Monet is, Very funny, charismatic. She's a great host. Uh, I recommend to anybody who's watching this, if you haven't, go watch Monet's talk show. It was really good, really engaging, really funny. Uh, I've had multiple times screaming, laughing out of my seat because it was just that good. Monet, I think, is somebody that the Drag Race team really loves having for their brand. Because she is somebody who could just kind of come on, be professional, do what she needs to do. That being said, could somebody else have hosted this? Sure. Sure. And if, you know, Monet, I think, does get up plenty, a lot of opportunities. And I think that's really wonderful. I do think there could have been other queens given opportunities. But for a smaller show like this, I'd rather at least them take the safer bet of someone who they know they can do and deliver a good job like Monet. uh, Without necessarily risking somebody else's reputation who might have a little bit more to lose.
1: You know, and I just want to add to that. I think part of it is it is the queens who get out there and and like hustle for the bustle, you know? And if, uh, if Monet's the girl putting her breastplate everywhere and people are clicking on it, I really understand Rue trying to seem, it's so funny, but I almost feel like of the people still reacting to what the fans want, but I can see how Bruno might feel like it's what you're being told is what the fans want.
2: For me, the most overused screen is Trixie uh and okay. that's fine um Trixie's the most recognizable and that's fine most... I'm gonna turn this off and go put on Trixie motel yeah exactly I mean and no you're bit, not. Motel. that's that's the other part of it is I think saturation comes with projects that are not necessarily world of wonder or drag race related but in the minds of fans it's all one thing because it's all part of the drag spectrum uh so monet has been in some stuff that's not you know, a world of wonder production or have, or it doesn't have the drag race name on it, but we all kind of still think of it like that as has Trixie Trixie motel. Great example for me. Trixie's the oversaturation. What? It's a play on her name. Get out of here. I'm done with you. No, Um,
3: I love that You just got that.
2: No, you didn't just get that. (gasps) I've never thought about it. Oh God. Okay. Um,
0: You know, it's an actual motel too, right? We can rent a night. Yeah. This is why we're married.
2: There's a great um, Real Housewives of uh, Salt Lake City where one of them calls the Trixie Motel to ask <laughs> whether they have Dom Perignon. Um, Anyway, uh, Trixie's the most overused queen. Monet, uh, to me, really isn't... She's in she's in there a lot. It doesn't bother me mostly because like I said, Monet as a contestant on Drag Race and as a Drag Race personality, I really don't vibe with the most, but I think she is so professional and so good at being not a Drag Race contestant. She I mean she's a great Drag Race contestant, not It's just my, it's my thing. I just don't uh love seeing her on Drag Race, but I love seeing her host stuff. I love seeing her not be asked to compete and kind of get to a level that I don't think she is good when she's trying to fit herself into that box. I think she's much better when they're like, read the cue cards, but be Monet. And that's to me where she really flourishes and vibes with the audience. She feels like a a really good MC. I've seen her MC and host drag shows a few times. She's really good at that. So is she really used a bunch? Yes. But it's one of those things where... I feel like the production is going to be good because they made a smart choice when I see Monet as the host. And there's a lot of Queens, like even somebody like Alaska, when I see that Alaska is hosting the thing, I'm like, this could be really funny. This could be really good. But this also could be a little bit of a disaster and uh, maybe okay. something like dollars. Yeah.
3: Exactly. But so we were both ready. We were both ready. If you stay ready, you ain't got to get ready. Um, No, I think I, I really agree. Because if you're looking at just like, wow, things Monet has done. Wow. Uh, wow. Wow. Monet wow. was a part of three seasons. She was in season 10. She won All-Stars, Twin One, and then was a finalist for All-Star 7. She's hosted one season of The Pit Stop, which I... I her, her commenting on season 14 was really good. It, yeah. it was a really really good season the pit stop she was also one of like the the drag mentors i forget what they're called on
2: yep on uh, secret Secret celebrity Celebrity. Celebrity. season
3: two um i think that's most of the things i can think of that she's like specifically like the major part of the masked lip syncer as we should start calling it the dragged lip syncer but no, I I I agree. Like, and it's like I think it's very similar to what I was just saying before. That Monet is super professional, and I think production really does love her. And it shows. She has when she's not having to do the stress of competing. Yeah. Even though I enjoyed her in All Star Seven, Monet's a fun time. But All Star All Star Seven is also different because they had.
2: And her. and there's a lot of times it's where her. like I would rather see a <laughs> professional actor one who i know is going to hit the marks and make the take good on the entire rest of the crew than somebody who i think is really talented or really gorgeous or really fits the role but i know that they are a nightmare to have on set um you know i think nicole kidman should always be playing batman's girlfriend regardless of what the batman movie is But I know that Nicole Kidman is an absolute nightmare to have on set. And therefore, it's not really something I want to see her doing. There's just something about caves like this that make Heartbreak feel good. (laughs) The movies are back.
1: Um, So, okay, I want to move us to the episode itself. Sure. Uh, You know, the big thing about this show that I really was kind of surprised by was the actual limited amount of show. Ah, uh, 20- oh, that
2: was the best part to me.
1: I was thrilled. Twenty-two minutes, no fuss, no muss, no bullshit. We have exactly enough time in this queer esports <laughs> gymnasium. We are in a gym. <laughs> We're gonna film this shit. This is literally where they stage mini drag cons, and like they are all in on how cheap as shit this shit is. Yep.
2: Uh, as you should be part. when you're making a YouTube show.
3: Yes. Yes, uh you said that my first notice was oh, this is considerably lower budget than I was expecting. Not in specifically a bad way, yeah. But the sound quality was a little off, especially during the talking heads. They would be talking in the episode, uh there'd be audio from the episode where they're mic and then they get to the talk to- they get to the talking heads and they're like in a broom closet somewhere. There was like this a little bit of an echo. Not bad. This is a lower key show that's lower stakes, not as serious genuinely i think they're all just there to have a good time they're all getting paid well because ten thousand dollars is nothing uh, in the grand scheme of like
1: this fucking shows money like prizes, yeah yeah
2: right well and then the other thing to talk about well and i don't really want to talk about it too much but this show has one sponsor and really no commercials i don't know how else it's monetized on youtube but uh i don't know what vive is paying uh for the production and they're paying the pr- in prep I you know, that's with Trivata. how expensive it gets. It's really uh um but it it to me it's it's fine, it makes total sense. I also want to note that uh I checked at around 130 today and we were looking at about fifty seven thousand views and I checked right now and it's at sixty seven thousand. So for YouTube For niche content that is not, like, Mr. Beast or whatever, that is actually a very solid number. Also, given the fact that they dropped an announcement um, two days ago being, like, this will be tomorrow, and tomorrow literally meant two hours from now. Uh, Very weird strategy. I have no idea what the thinking is here. I'm very curious to know if there is like a really brilliant content strategy that I don't know about or if there is a very coked out homosexual content strategy that I actually recognize quite a bit. It's a guy named
1: Bryce who spells his name with a Y and two Es and he remembered that time that Beyonce just did an album no announcement I bet she did it the night before I bet it just happened and then Mariah carried her to do it again a year later I could do that too we're just gonna put the show out there guys let's go for it and um you know, is a
2: bit the vibe but i fully i'm like you know these people have been successful making this brand and this television show for almost two decades now there may be a plan in place that i do not realize well it's, it's also important
3: to note there was you know as, as mentioned a little there wasn't a lot of promotion for this yeah it's also on youtube the YouTube Drag Race channel has a large, most a large number of subscribers, but the really only consistent videos that get a lot of views tend to be pit stop and lip. Uh, when they re-upload the lip sync, when they finally started doing that and realized, oh, we can monetize this. Twice. We can be the ones, yeah. Uh, the shout out to the OG girlies who had to really try to find those lip syncs in decent enough quality if you wanted to re-watch it without having to find the full episode again. Uh, it's one of those things where it has a good amount of numbers for no promotion on a channel that content like this tends to not do very well,
2: especially because they also have a secondary internet network with wow presents or wow. Plus. Um, Can I, can I level
1: though with you guys and Kevo, I don't know how you feel you might be the one who feels the closest to me. And I don't mean to say anything mean about mama Roo. but if you're asking me, which I think is a little bit more like a real thing, YouTube or the WoW app, uh, I got to be honest with you. If it's on the WoW app, it kind of feels like your friend's indie zine that they passed around in creative writing. But when it's on YouTube, it sort of feels like a Nepo Baby student film. So it kind of just makes it feel a little bit realer. And I don't know about you, but the opportunity to get a film made by the child of Pete Wentz and Ashley Simpson about the evolution of ants. You know, that's something I would uh, go for if we're going with Nebo Baby Student Films.
2: I Brilliant. Uh, brilliant reference. I want to watch this film now. So wow. Is <laughs> wow is a weird one it's like the two that you really that i really think about uh that were kind of in the same zone in a lot of ways were like wow and uh college humor and then dropout really took a gigantic leap Um, again, this is, this is one of those things where I'm like, I don't know if some cabal of coked out faggots just are like, and we're going to make an app. It's going to do really well. We're going to put all this content on it. Or if there's like this very measured content strategy where they know this is the percentage of our viewership that is, will clearly commit to paying $20 a month to access this amount of content. This is how much it costs us. This is how we make money. Uh, cause I feel this, I mean, like I, I think I would subscribe to wow plus before you guys, uh, not Jonah, but you two. Uh, and I still don't subscribe. Uh, so, but I watched this immediately because I, I'm on YouTube a lot. So there is a very interesting balancing act happening here and I don't ever think wow plus is going to be, even like uh, a network, an online network we're going to talk about later today, MGM Plus. Mm. Um,
3: no, but I think Well wow+ Plus was a response to, as RuPaul's Drag Race as a brand became more international with more international seasons, I think they wanted a way that viewers can watch every season yeah, uh, and get their money without having to rely on something like Paramount Plus or yeah. any of their other, you know, Viacom apps yeah. that are distributed. Yeah. It's like it is probably the best legal way to watch any international season that's not of your
2: own country. 100%. And I'm just really curious what those numbers look like because again, yeah. this is either a really brilliant strategy that where the overhead is actually very low, uh, you know, whatever hosting is and service providing for this type of content really doesn't cost them that much. And they have a solid, like, I want to get, I want to say like maybe 2 million, but I think that's a high number, but let's say it's, you know, they have 2 million subscribers. That's solid money. Um, Well, you know, I actually want to kind of put a spin on that though.
1: Yeah, I wonder if what would really behoove them at this point is to sort of do like an only girls, where each girl can like have their own channel and people can uniquely subscribe. I would, of course, keep it you know PG or you yeah. know R, uh, even NC seventeen for like basic tits out and you know crude humor. You know the kind of shit you could see at a drag show, not the stuff you could see at like you know Hustle Ball. So like, um, I think the thing there would then be Rue could make a portion of each girl's continued media library, and they would have this focused, clear way, drag network, dragnet shit, that they could get all of that out there that I just really think, you know, I wonder if that's on Rue's radar, her very own, you know, Rue tube,
2: I promise you it is not, but I guarantee you it is on somebody in production staff's radar and they will talk to her about it when they need to decide whether or not her name will be on it.
1: Uh, I hope she uh, puts me on the production staff so I can get at least a little bit of credit.
2: Yes, me too. Um, But yeah, I mean, I, that's this, this speaks to the heart of my curiosity. Are they innovating product and really thinking about new ways to do this stuff? Or is this just kind of, we reach a critical mass point where something is popular enough that we think we can profit off it. So let's do it. I have no idea. uh, But this actually really, this show really doesn't help with my like picking at breadcrumbs because this is, this is on YouTube. This is an entirely other thing. I'm very curious to know what uh, a successful first day was to them. Like, is this, 67,000 today is that you know 10,000 in 3 hours and are they is checking it... the pirate bay? very Yeah, also a very good question. I mean, and which I would imagine not cuz it's free on YouTube and there's no ads during it. I I would imagine it's not getting, you know, huge pirated numbers, but who knows. Um what do you got, Jonah? So, uh this is going to relate to a certain video game company, the video game company
3: Riot, most known for making League of Legends. League of yep. Legends as a Wait, game. what's
1: League of Legends? I don't have time to explain <laughs> i've never heard of league of legends is it anything it's, like that several nights at frederick's
2: it's like uh so you know how mlb is like the baseball league this is like that but that for legends
1: oh for legends yes, yes yeah. I understand. oh now, why didn't you like, yeah. just say that bigfoot yeah.
3: godzilla a big this spider thing Lockness, monster thank you lauren cheney mm. Regardless, if you know what yes, actually Riot Legend is, just know Riot makes a massive amount of money based off League of Legends and League of Legends IP. You
2: know, what yeah.
3: League of Legends is, right? Okay, good, good, You're caught up. Whether uh, it's through the cosmetic sales, their music sales, merchandise, blah, 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 blah. Riot released uh, a m- trading, uh, trading card game online called Legends of Runeterra.
2: I love Runeterra. A
3: very successful trading card game that essentially makes them zero money because it's majority free to play they make so much money off of the all the other ips they can create products like legends of runeterra where they don't make any money off of it because they don't have to because they're not worried about it money's coming in from elsewhere i wonder if drag race as a brand is getting to the global recognition point that we can have content like this that's released for free on youtube and does they're not making as much money as they could because their money's coming in from elsewhere?
2: I also wonder if this portends a delay to the announcement of season sixteen or all the next All Stars. Um,
1: well, and I just kind of want to know what sort of sponsorship tie-in deals this is going to get. Are we going to legitimately get uh, Monet Exchange being like, I don't? I was hoping for a makeup thing, but because my show takes place in a gymnasium, they've offered me Pine Sol. All right. um, Fine. I'm doing this. It's cool. I want to make money. Like, where is the tie-in for this show in the conventional way we would expect there to be drag race tie-ins to make Mm -hmm. that kind of money? Mm -hmm. I wonder if this could lead to like a quick fashion uh you know party city shake and go rupaul kind of wig brand that they could then throw the you know glam slam uh you know sort of branding on and it's a way to sort of get rue's name off of something that rue might not want her name on anymore because it's a little beneath her brand now that you know pokemon has tiffany shit you know, trading cards is for Yu Gi Oh! until you know Yu Gi Oh! goes to De Beers, you know what I mean? So, I really wonder if this is a progressive way to restructure the brand to be about a corporate identity, not one aging bald woman.
3: Can we okay? Can I talk about it on this episode? God bless, Milk, not doing the assignment in this in the slightest. Oh my god. It wouldn't be uh, a Milk appearance if that didn't happen. Like, for this episode of Milk versus Thorgy, the challenge being cocktail attire, walk of shame to the bodega. Now you look at these two looks, and I'm pretty sure only one of those says that. Yep. Certainly shame.
2: And milk always milk just wants to carpet. do... No, milk just always wants to do what milk wants to do. Uh, yeah, and, and I'm that's...
1: lactose intolerant.
2: Well, yes, I mean, 100%. I do not enjoy milk. Oh, I do. Even a little bit. Uh, but I really respect the... She, she's she got Valentina's uh, uh, gravitas and delusionality without, uh, for me, any of the enjoyment and the fun and, like, the silliness of it. It's a little too, like... No, but I'm you really didn't tell me I'm beautiful. And now I'm having a psychotic episode uh, where Valentina will be like, I'm having a psychotic episode and then giggle in the talking head. And it's just fine. Uh, but then, you know, like because really... she's always having
0: a psychotic episode. Right. That's exactly. Life is a
2: psychotic episode. But uh,
0: like milk, you're fine.
1: You're just throwing a tantrum.
2: Precisely. Thank you, Kevin.
1: And Sorgie is probably just throwing a stool
2: uh she's th- <laughs> what's happening she's throwing a great look together that's for sure she's throwing a winning look together uh um, there's
1: the word uh, she wanted she threw together a look that didn't lose i
2: don't think this this 100 gives me the assignment um i i have seen that girl i have walked that girl to the bodega and then to the free clinic um I have
1: been that boy driving myself home from New Brunswick. I'm just saying, like...
2: Very different story. Uh, And, you know, but it was, again, like, none of it matters because it's so low stakes. My, you know, my dislike of milk... Uh, doesn't really factor in here because this is not the ongoing competition where at some point I'm going to go, okay, but now I'm really annoyed because we're three challenges in. She keeps saying stupid stuff. She keeps not getting the prompt. And then... Being publicly upset that she didn't win. No, we just had a little fun. I thought she did something stupid and silly. I still like the look. I still thought it was fun. And I thought her stupid blazer was fun too. So, like, that's great. Yeah. 22 minutes later, I'm done. And I went and poured myself a soda. Fantastic.
3: If you're of the fan base, uh, uh, you're part of the fan base of Drag Race I think Drag Race episodes at 90 minutes are too long, this is perfect for you. It is yeah. 22 yeah. minutes and yeah. it is literally just the show
1: it's the kind of anemic you want to be you know during diet season uh
2: and i am that fan 90 minutes is too long let's get this moving get me out of here uh
3: restructure what's in those 90 minutes but i need the 90 minutes
2: i mean i i wouldn't say no to the 90 minutes if they were good but lately they just haven't been and we're about to talk about you know uk where i really did skip through the the walkthrough because i've heard every single thing that is about to be said in i know this challenge in and out and i really could have done this challenge in 20 minutes and loved the episode but at the full length uh there was a lot to really slow me down so like having these two side by side today uh watching this and then watching uk i really just like it is refreshing it is refreshing to get down to business i also thought uh even though i don't like robert anderson both of their both the hosts walk through banter was better than ruse has been in a really long time again because this is kind of different than you know this is one type of challenge we do on drag race but with completely different goals for how we capture the challenge being done and what the vibe is for the show overall and the episode overall they really did just want them to give specific details about what they were doing maybe crack a lighthearted joke nobody was going in saying taffeta is that smart and then cut to the queen going i've got to throw all this taffeta away and start entirely in silk
0: I think part of that is probably also because of the limited resources. If you shame any of the Queen's building about what they have to build with, there's not a lot they can recover with, and there's not a lot you can do with a Melting
2: Queen. Sometimes constraints lift you up like that.
1: Yeah. Now, I really like that you brought up uh, UK because... I like that too. Um, let's let's get over to it. Let's, yeah. Let's do it.
2: Yeah. Um,
0: I just want to flash my last few that i grabbed the winner
2: yay oh yeah thorgy won finally um, thorgy th- won something <laughs> thorgy,
3: thorgy's first challenge win in the in the rupaul verse
2: Ugh, jesus Across. not gross mm.
3: um <clears throat> i love the milk being blacked out like it's gta and it's about to say wasted on it yes yeah
0: so looking forward to more looking forward to seeing who's next
2: Looking forward
1: to more. Looking forward to less. We'll see what happens. But uh, let's let's do some UK. All right. UK, hon. No. And neither is this show.
2: Nope.
1: I genuinely think this is so much third place energy. Not because this is a bunch of third place queens, but all of these queens are getting a third place edit no one is being shown to be a dynamic leader and they obviously have to be. But like, one of the things is like, I kind of feel stealthed by Ginger Johnson, like Mm -hmm. in general, she sort of came in and production kind of like played like, like like wonky, morbidly obese British music behind Mm -hmm. her whenever she would dawdle into the set. And then one day, all of a sudden, they were like, "But did you ever realize that she's curvy, sexy, like a Marilyn Monroe?" And everybody just went, mm, oh, yeah. <laughs> And like everybody, she's went, all that at us over her. And here's the thing: she was never this dumpy, dopey loser. I literally said from the beginning, "She's really handsome." Like that was one of the first things I said. That they're like trying to make her seem the way Dee, Dee purposefully looks, and. Who, like, had the,
0: the, who had the library read where they were like, oh, darling, you're supposed to be in the pit crew over there. And the first thing you said was, that's a compliment. The pit crew guys are all specifically hot.
1: Yeah. And so, like, I don't know. This whole season has been really frustrating for me. I don't feel like I have a whole lot of people I'm rooting for. Michael Maruli, you could have been the, the Colby, uh, the Colby, the Sasha Colby of this season. But instead, I'm like... You're 400, go home. I just don't know what to do. When you told me that we we're the same age, I thought you were making fun of her. I just don't know. Between the lighting on these queens, uh, like the way they're being treated by production, and the general narrative, this is not my season of UK.
2: Uh, I think it is so ironic that London used to be lit by gas lamps because I, too, am feeling gas lit by this season. Um, what do you got, Jonah?
3: This season is really weird. In a lo- it started off, I think, very strong. And I still think it has a really incredible cast of queens where, like, really, I don't really have a problem with anybody. There might be some people I vibe with a little bit less but nobody's really like, oh, I really don't like their personality right now on this TV show. I don't want to phrase it like that. These are humans. They're on. A, they're in a high-pressure system. This isn't always how they're going to act. And, you know, if they have a bad edit or they are saying things that maybe aren't the best, hopefully with some time and seeing like, oh, I shouldn't have acted like that, you know, they grow as a person. Boiler played out of the way. This season is fully kind of the season of gaslighting and how the show is trying to treat us. I feel bad, but Ginger is the full front runner, but the show isn't treating Ginger like a front runner. I uh, Ginger really, Ginger Johnson should be treated like the Sasha Colby. Yes. Ginger's kind of blowing everybody out of the water in most of these challenges, and it's almost bizarre that the show doesn't really want to like acknowledge this. She's gonna hold a lipstick that says Dela any second.
2: What's weird to me is she is winning. A lot of the challenges. She's beating everybody, and they are telling her that she did the best, but then they're not giving her winner's edit. They're not really saying to her, you know, we're not getting that moment where Rue, you know, cut to Rue being like, I'm the queen of drag and I'm amazed by you. But um, Ice. Uh, s- Brooklyn Heights is the queen of drag. Little. Um, I still feel like ginger johnson actually actually i feel gaslit by the idea that ginger johnson won a lot of these challenges and is doing the best i don't actually think she did or is um i think she's doing great i think she's definitely in the top but there were a couple where she won where i just didn't think that she did um
3: there are arguments to be made that the win for the panto challenge and the win for snatch game could have gone to most likely Kate or somebody yeah. else. Yes, but these past two challenges where she was placed high, yeah, I think she should have won the past two.
2: Um, I think she should have teamed won. Michael, Kate. Michael won this one. Yes, she should have won this one.
3: I I don't want to discredit Michael. Oh, Michael! Oh, spoiler! Michael won this challenge. Yeah. Uh, I thought Michael did amazing. Michael was definitely my number two. I wanted maybe just a slightly different outfit. Just, just something that's not a carbon copy because i just want to say michael winning this challenge was like <clears throat>
1: everybody got to do a monologue and uh one person did something from mean girls and someone did something from clueless and michael came out and did a combination of boys in the band and angels in america I was just about to say, angels in America. <laughs> what the fuck are you gonna do tell a guy who's like i am thinking about all the people who've died of aids tell him no no. You lost.
2: I I also feel like uh Michael actually didn't do that great. The makeup I thought was notably not that great. And I understand that that it was an older contestant. It is more difficult. I feel as though um even Jinx ten years ago did better with Dave. So I don't feel it's impossible. Take? Jinx looks like an old man. <laughs> No,
3: not anymore. Well no, Michael no, looks like no. an old,
2: Michael looks like an old man too so it's all good um
3: I, what Oh as you say there was a, there was a couple of things um I personally I didn't really vibe with Michael's makeup this episode. It was paired back and that's you know great but this is especially on a challenge like this where I'm like no give me the big Michael makeup. Yeah it felt almost like and I I kind of guarantee Michael had to pair it back because Michael didn't have enough time. Because right. they don't give them enough time for anything, and she also is painting somebody else. Right. Um, I I think it was a production because uh, her partner, who God bless, the first thing him saying to her being, you know, I I just feel so conscious because I'm 65 years of age. I'm, and I'm I older. Killed Judy Garland. i killed Judy Garland. And then the first thing she said, "Oh, we should call you Geezer,"
2: like, because <laughs> you're old. You're old. What that. you're afraid of. You know she how didn't know. Die soon. She didn't know the Gaelic word for near death. No, um,
1: it probably has three f's and a v. I took Gaelic lessons. It was that's a tough language. It, it is. is. But I
3: will say, him talking about his story, it was very endearing to hear someone of an older generation talk about how he had to hide a lot of it, how he had to work up a lot of courage, even just to go to a gay, a, you know, gay and queer space. Yeah. I think it was a really important story, especially for. The much younger audience, not even just the queer kids, but the much younger audience who don't really always know, like, no, this is still even just only what seems like a short time ago, like how hard it was for people and how hard it is to not only come out for acceptance, but just what happened in the 80s. It really, I don't know if enough kids today know that part of the queer history. And it's really important that they do know it and they do understand like what we've went through.
1: The original queer eye for the straight guy involves straight guys, a bullseye and throwing rocks at homosexuals.
2: And that was a really good part of the episode. Everybody's, everybody from the helpline. Oh, uh, they were all amazing. They um, yes. were amazing. And all of them talking about where they come from in their queer experience and how that informs why they do this. That was all really cool. That was the highlight of the episode. I'm really kind of divorcing any feedback from that because that is just, that's always a mitzvah. The, the show should always be doing that in some capacity, should always be connecting us to to our roots to queer people of other experiences who get to tell their story when we don't normally hear it that's all fantastic if you start tying that into the critiques it gets so ugly and so like i feel really bad saying michael i don't feel did the best job with this older queer man who finally got to have the experience i hate having to judge it but somebody wins and loses every episode and i don't feel michael won uh when ginger and her uh
3: uh, reveal yeah uh walked out i legitimately did not know who was who at first
2: yeah yeah the and uh, there's a lot to get into with family resemblance a thing that i think they just decided somewhere after season 10 they were just going to start lying and completely making up the rubric different every time uh and like even they're so bad at it because they even will say i don't see a family resemblance indicating you are supposed to look at like sisters genetically and then to somebody else they will say i see that you're in the same drag family where of course drag families are not genetically related and the indication (laughs) is clearly that you have you've embraced the same brand that you've put your sister in a look that says your brand. And I thought basically everybody did that. I think the person who I think should have gone home, Dee, Dee, was actually the most successful at drag family resemblance.
3: Yes. Uh, Part of my major problem with this episode was I knew I not, not even part of the spoiler arena Tina out there. I knew it was going to happen. I knew Kate was going to go home. because That's how, every single that's how majority of these challenges and these storylines work kate who didn't really have the but the best drag but was a great performance has charisma is very funny does starts to do well in challenges picks up momentum finally grabs the win and production's like well you weren't you weren't planned to be part of the finale so we have yeah. to cut you i don't think she did particularly well this episode i'm not that delusional but if you really really who i think should have been in the bottom was Tamara. Unfortunately, I
1: know that I spent a lot of the season coming for Tamara, but this was an example of where what she provided was just, it was just a little bit, uh, you know, what, H&N for me. I was just, I was poshmarked down. It was, oh my god, Kevo, you are a, that just the way it came from the sky.
2: I, it just I would occurred have, to me
1: as we were talking that it would be here.
2: I would have put it uh Tamara and DD and I would have sent DD home. Um I just think the fact that DD hasn't had a win yet and That DD uh,
1: never did a King DD.
0: I have a statement on DD never having had a win yet though. So I'm, I'm fascinated that you said that. So please continue. Well, No, I, no, I, no, no. no, no. Wait,
3: wait, can we just say uh DD's partner that's Morgan McMichael's? Oh my yes. god, I couldn't
1: unsee it. That's 100%. just Morgan McMichael's. And we love that. Well, and I also just want to say uh, to Polar Knights's comment of fuck the haters, uh, I, I do just want to say that anybody who came for any of these girls, fuck those haters. Uh, these girls, the performers this episode, we are certainly not saying anything about these beautiful first-time drag stars who are uh, coming to the stage ready to play. Uh, I am so impressed with every one of these girls. So thank you for pointing out that uh, – one of these amazing new drag daughters looks like Morgan, because it's just great how, Oh, especially with our Trixie, oh
3: Trixie and Bianca, Trixie yeah. and
1: Bianca there. Yeah. Uh, really? It was just really great how all of these girls came to play.
2: Yeah. I mean, I did. I thought they all had something going for them that made it very fun. Um, I, you know, Tamara and uh, Big G, I thought seemed like they were having the most fun. Like they were having the most get into drag and feel great fun. And I think that counts for something. That's still... I still... I agree with you guys. I think they should have been in the bottom. But I really... There was something very special about what they did. And then similarly with Dee Dee and uh, whatever the sister's name was, I thought she nailed that, thank you, uh, that Joan Collins dynasty 80s, you know, uh, girls from the secretary pool going out. And while I understand that that is not technically, um, again, like, of course, that is not genetic family. She did not make them look like sisters or mother and daughter. But. When we talk about drag family, I thought she nailed, you know, because Dee Dee's Dee's drag is older buxom woman uh, who is like kind of a cougar out on the prowl. And she put somebody else in that exact same vibe and then made it a story that is convincingly two women who would go do that. And I just like even though there were other details missing, even though I felt like of a phenomenal five, they were the two of the lowest. I felt like they gave them the wrong credit and the wrong critiques.
3: I, I agree with that. I Part of uh, my, why I really thought tomorrow would be in the bottom. And I, I feel, I don't want it to come across like I'm dogging this. I, I think tomorrow is very charismatic. I think it's a super fun person, but one I didn't really get a drag transformation for
2: Big G. Yeah, not no. She just she, mm. was, yeah, she just put, put on a huge wig. wig. She
3: was gorgeous, out of drag, re- I you know, I, props to where props is due. And it's not to say that when you have a beautiful canvas to start, you can't even get more beautiful, but it doesn't really feel like there's a really big drag transformation. And they definitely could not see it on the judges, but they kept zooming in on little uh, Big G's face. And I felt so bad, but the hairline,
2: yeah, it was was oh, really uh, bad. Was yeah. wrecked.
3: Tomorrow's looks perfect. And yep. that's a little, no, you really should have ah. made the guest look perfect. Yep.
1: I, I do, do love that it's a little bit uh, working girl. It's a little bit, I've got a body for Sin and a head for Sia. Yeah, move your bony ass. It is a thousand percent. Um, okay, so let's get to where where we kind of need to pay a little bit of attention now. This is it. We're fucked. This is a a rough finale, not because any of these girls are untalented. I think every one of these girls is great, but no we're matter
2: not, we're
3: not the finale yet. No, no,
2: but no matter what, our fourth, we're getting dropped. there. Well, oh, here's yeah. the thing. I to to Jonah's point, I did see the possible storyline of Kate going home amongst other great fifth placers like Queens, who we had just loved in their season, like Katya. Uh is Katya fifth place. Yes, she is. Um Katya uh, Fifth Place is a great is a great place to be eliminated. Katya la Creme. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Ben, ben was actually who I was thinking of. Uh it is when you can be a brand unto yourself, fifth place is often where you go home with drag race. Uh, Alyssa Edwards is another one. Um it's uh Alyssa was uh, sixth. Oh, that's right. Because then, yeah, I always I forget that Coco sends her home. Alyssa probably can't count, so it's no big deal. There you go. Um, I always forget that Coco sends her home. Um, but at the end of the day, so I saw I saw the possibility of Kate going home there. And the next thing you think about is, even, regardless of if it is a top four, Dee Dee is in the top now, but cannot win the show it would not be fair even if she even if she gets a repeater bag badge next challenge it simply would not be fair to the other three for dd to win and so we really now have our top three i think maybe for some reason dd does make it to the top three but she's not gonna win the show and so i think we're really looking at like some version of of our top three but
1: i if i
0: if the, and the, this is the point i was going to make before when you brought up dd and you were like she hasn't had a win before and i was like interesting that you're pointing out she's just she's never had a win on a challenge or anything like that before because i'm looking at this chart and the way that i have made sure to keep track of yeah. all of the lip syncs all of the losers all of the winners And again, the number of queens that went home on their first ever lip sync and Didi has been saved three times. The only multiple lip sync uh, save from this entire season and one of the only lip sync survivors still on this season. So I think there is something significant in that.
2: Yeah.
3: And uh, you know, I think when Didi gets to perform on stage, it's she, I think she's a really great performer. I, and it's very I'm an American style of performance. It's very big, very, you know, I'm gonna do stunts, I'm gonna give you everything, I'm gonna give you a drag performance. And I really do love that. And I I understand why she won. But my problem comes from they're not they're thinking larger picture at this point. Really, I mean, it's most likely going to be ideally be between Michael and Ginger but you know with how much RuPaul loves Tamara Tamara might just end up winning the entire thing (laughs) but they know that the next week is going to be the roast and somebody who ideally and should be within their talents of doing well Kate is sent home and now we have Didi going into it and I feel like that's just unfortunate to both of them because I'm going to feel bad for Didi if Didi can't pull it you know pull it out of the back I want to say three things.
1: Number one, uh, that brilliant opinion that uh, just happened uh, to polar nights question, the handsome man. This is our kiddo. This is Jonah. He's uh, on the show most of the time. So polar nights, you might've just missed him. But um, so I love you bringing up all of this stuff about, you know, eliminations and, you know, people winning and going into this next challenge, because I don't think talking about what's on the next time on is a spoiler. Right. And one of the things we see is Dee, Dee turn to Michael and say, Michael, are you okay with closing the show? And Michael saying, well, I specifically asked to go first. And then Dee, Dee going, you know, looking mischievous. And it makes me think perhaps Dee, Dee wins whatever the mini challenge is next week, giving her control of the roast. So it does seem like they are at least trying to set up the Dee, Dee can survive narrative. Yes. Um, I, you know, what's a shame is a couple of the Queens that have just gone home are kind of funny. Kara isn't always funny, but she can be very funny. Um, Kate is funny. I think they could even do a, and we're throwing a twist. One of the last three girls can come back, but I, I don't think they will. Um, but it would be a shame that they got rid of some of the funniest girls and we get a comedy number from Didi Dee Dee, who I would love to see do 10 other kinds of performance, but yeah. I am not here for Dee Dee's weird take on Lisa Lampanelli doing a roast. It's a weird order
0: of challenges. And that does happen sometimes.
3: And it's, you know, not that everything is fully predestined, but I, part of what I've, I can tell is the larger fandoms, you know, tyrants of the makeover challenge is DK talked about it earlier. The makeover challenge specifically is just used to eliminate whoever they want because they make up BS uh, rules and guidelines and it's changed constantly. And there are people who have great makeovers who get sent home. UK especially has this problem with people who have the best makeovers get sent home. I don't think Kate had the best makeover this episode, but it is it, the UK doesn't to eliminate who are fan favorites uh, between Cheryl Hole, Dakota Schiffer, and now Kate Butch. They're all just been eliminated in this challenge.
1: Well, fuck. In the words of
3: Kate Bush. It's uh it's just a it's a challenge that is becoming more and more like, oh, this is just for production. It doesn't matter who actually does the best or not, it doesn't matter if someone does yeah. bad. Because it's they're going to try to tell us that they did good. And I wish they thought about it a little more individually as opposed to, you know at the point. Kate Butch can make it to the finale, and it's fine. I don't think Kate Butch was going to win. And that that's fine. You can still bring her to the finale, and we know that she's not going to win. I'd rather them give us the better roast episode, as opposed to fulfilling this idea of what the narrative and their entire season should look like.
1: I'm still yes. ending on dessert, but I still want a really good roast for dinner.
3: Let's get this roast to cooking. Mmm. Mm.
1: All right. All right, we're
3: going to close out Drag Race. Uh,
1: You know, Jonah, I know you're not sticking with us because you haven't had a chance to watch some of the other stuff we're watching. So I want to ask you, what is your hope for the future of the Denny's Grand Slam? Um, And uh, what are you hoping for with the... Look, again, we think all four of these queens could be finalists. It's just this is not a finalist crew. Um, You know, what are your hopes for rupaul's drag race uk season five the
3: also ran's with glam slam i'm hoping for just some goofy low-key fun give me some silly shady comments give me take it serious but also feel like you can be relaxed that's the kind of energy i want and That's the kind of energy that it's it is portraying, and I know with Monet and a lot of these queens, I think that they can really kind of just deliver something silly and fun and just have a good time about making garments and putting them on identical twins because we have to copy more things from um, what's that show? Uh, glow up, that's what they do on glow up. I um, oh, yeah. in UK5, I had a really really big hope for UK5. I still think it's a overall pretty good season but the beginning really led me to believe it was going to be a lot better than it actually was and a lot of it isn't because of the queens it is kind of because of production and at this point i will never really stop watching the show because i do love the queer talent show that really is but i am getting a little all right no i can I, i've watched so much drag race I, it's really easy for me to predict what's going to happen I really would like for them to be a little, just take a little more risks. They feel so stricken. They have to hold themselves to this idea of who they really want to win. And that's fine. It's that's production. I do wish they would take a little more risk on certain Queens when they're like, no, I actually do think people are going to like them. Maybe we should keep them around a little bit longer. I only wish that we could keep
1: you around a little bit longer, but Jonah, it has been such an incredible time having you on the show. Uh, we are going to have you back. Of course, as soon as you would like to be on, whether it's for our thanks ghosting Wednesday cover. Oh no, you can't do this Wednesday. No. So we'll see you sometime. Maybe, maybe, maybe never, maybe never again. No, Um. no. Oh, but uh, until next time, where can everybody find you on the
3: interwebs? You handsome man, as was pointed out in the, uh, in the chat. Oh, well, thank you. You know, I am flattered. Thank you for calling me handsome. Uh, if you want to call me handsome again, you can follow me over on any social at Pete Jonah. That's P-E-A-K. All right. We'll see you real soon. Heck yeah. Hi,
0: Jonah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> i got a TK uh, talk.
0: I had to reload, <laughs> and I also uh, just like to remind you all that life is chaos.
1: Okay, so now... Here's my thing about the uh, future of something like uh, Glam Slam. It reminds us that this is about people who kind of keep existing. Obviously, you know, we stress so much that these are real women and that, you know, when we're talking about them, we're talking about the performance of them as edited by production. We're never talking about, you know, actual most handsome person to ever be on Drag Race, Lucy, Lucy the guy here. So, um, you know, we're talking about the projection of this character. And one of the things that I think is so interesting about uh, Glam Slam is not seeing these women in drag. Gosh, it's so nice to see them relaxed, relaxed in a way that like needing to look your absolute most devastating. You just can't be relaxed. Not that any of them didn't look, you know, I thought this was maybe the, the most like handsome real person I've ever seen Thorgy look. Uh did Thorgy look like a character from Portlandia? Of course. But um, you know, Milk always looks like she's auditioning for the lead role in the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. She would take any of the three. And so I think that's what I loved about Grand Slam, Glam Slam. God damn it. And uh what I hope for from the future of it. As far as for what I hope for from uh, UK season five, I hope for a body of work these queens can rely on for future all-stars. Like if they do a UK all-stars, I would love to see some of these queens come back for that. I'd love to see them in Versus the Worlds. Uh, None of these queens are untalented. It's just this is not the dynamic that allows them to shine. So um, that's where I'm at walking away from this round of uh, Drag Race.
2: Yeah, I'm in a similar location. Uh, like I said, I I get to a point where we're so many seasons into Drag Race, All Stars, International Editions. And the formula is getting a little stale for me, but uh, I really am into the brand and the network and, you know, the idea of... Seeing their content strategy, seeing their upcoming release schedule, seeing what they're innovating, what ideas they're having. There's like reality show of watching the World of Wonder and Drag Race brands work with being the the authority in mainstream media on drag, that is now kind of the show to me. It's it's almost sort of trivial what's gonna be on the actual show. Uh, it's more what they show me they're thinking and working with, with the concepts that they really have cornered the market on. So this was really exciting because, you know, putting it on YouTube, totally out of left field, exciting choice that I have a ton of questions about. Uh, the format wasn't like, oh my God, this format is going to change the world. But the fact that they do the format, not in drag, uh, That's a that's a crazy choice that that makes me think about a lot of stuff, Um, you know, looking at what the sponsorship is, what the what the budgets are like. That's all really interesting to me. And there's a lot to see here. And I hope there's a lot to read into for future projects. Kebo,
1: you know, I know sometimes like you get even overwhelmed by how many seasons we watched in like nine months and like how many girls flew by you. But what was really cool when I saw this, when I saw this list, you know, Thorgy, you know, Lucy, you know, Lux, uh, you know, Jan. This was the unbelievably cool lineup, you know? Yeah. Uh,
0: And, you know, that is uh, part of the greatness of zooming through and having assimilated so many queens so quickly is exactly uh, what we're saying that we want to start seeing them produce new stuff we've seen how talented these performers are and now i want to see what they can do with that talent and this is something especially that is within the realm of what drag race is and what drag race does we are constantly talking about how Why do queens even show up if they can't make a garment? So let's take that a step further. And the queens that are actually good at a garment, let's see what they can do. Uh, You know, we talk about, we'd love to see a comedy type show uh, from these queens. Something like that would be great. Uh, You know, next week is going to be either hysterical or it's going to be a nightmare because it really tends to go one way or the other with these queens. And there have been so many, amazingly hysterically talented ones. So if we could see something where they could utilize that better, I'd love that.
1: You know, and uh, I really am excited to go from talking about uh drag race to talking about a show where I know I'm being like a little punchy funny about it, but uh, honestly, in some ways I feel like Lego ha- Lego masters has kind of forgotten that it's supposed to be a reality competition Uh, And I think some weeks they're just like, we like this person. I feel exceptionally gaslit in the last couple of weeks by Lego Masters. It has just been a weird ride the last few episodes. Uh, I even feel like it all kind of started when Poppy had to drop out. You guys know me. I love a nice, sexy older man. So uh, when they let Poppy go, that was it for me for Lego Masters. Obviously you know i'm being silly but uh, are you yeah yeah just that you know he's so sexy uh but i i I do think i'd look really cute in ben's outfit um so yeah hat ah right so for me uh lego master kind of sacrificed some credibility last week with the bag challenge uh i just thought the wrong person won i just thought that was so silly um, But I, I love Christopher and Robert like they are my front runners. Uh, You know, I I think uh, I unfortunately can't remember if it's Christopher or Robert because, uh, you know, their names are always right next to each other. And they it's kind of like I have an older sister who is like one of my favorite people in the entire universe. And uh growing up, a lot of people knew us as Julia and Nicholas. Uh, so like there would there'd be times where people would be like, oh, well, Julia and Nicholas and people would have to be like my mom would have to be like. Well, you know, Julia and Nicholas are both married and Julia has children. So, like, when you say Julia and Nicholas, you mean and their husbands and the children. Uh, Like, you know, you kind of get programmed into who people are by identity. Lego Masters has not done a lot this season to separate each of these, you know, sort of characters. Uh, I think it's Kelly and Emily. I think, you know, they read as one person. Um, but so Robert and Christopher, they play this very silly over the top caricature where one's the straight man and one's the villain. Uh, so I love Christopher. I believe Christopher's on the left. I think he is. I think he is silly. Good fun. I think he would kill on any of my cooking shows. I think he would be amazing on big brother. He's dumb. He's funny, but he's really smart. Them winning this week was great. I did agree. They had one of the best designs. Probably not my favorite. Uh, and they won, period. He played a better game, period. I appreciate a really strong game player. Um, But because they won last week, I didn't care for the win this week. And the win this week kind of trivializes some of the big season win for me. So now I don't know if I can root for Christopher and Robert to win the whole season. Because then it sort of feels like, you know, they won first place and runner-up somehow yeah i get that I, i just kind of felt uh i felt kind of built up and then you know kind of struck down by this one how about you guys
2: uh i don't know we saw it earlier in the season with sam and nina who i think won three in a row uh and i think kind of deserved to um so it's a weird thing happening this season where uh a lot of people aren't really standing out. Um, it's not a a top four of people who've each won one or two. Ain't no relaxatox up in this. Yeah, <laughs> truly. Um, but I mean, it's it's great to see. I I, I really enjoy seeing people just slam dunk it. Um, I just think the show hasn't quite known known what to do with it exactly. Um, I also think it's tough when the challenges aren't the best. Uh, I feel bad for Sam and Nina. They won three of what I felt were the least compelling. Uh, ones where I really just kind of zoned out on what the challenge was. But then these last like three or four I felt were really pretty engaging. And I, even if like I felt the bag challenge was a little, um, esoteric isn't quite the right word but almost you know drag racy and the fact that i'm like this feels like some moving goalposts, person to person uh right but it was still interesting to see them do it and to do the photo shoot and all that this this one with uh you know be not not having access to brick and just having to use a set make a car race a car that is then going to be modeled in a video game i thought that was really cool i love that the guys won because they clearly appreciated it uh and you know they even though i think probably they would have preferred a different game and a different kind of uh design of theirs to be in a different kind you know to be the video game i thought they were they were really cool about it and it was just really fun um so you know i think yeah
0: it was a tough challenge again in a way that they hadn't been doing tough challenges for a while you know make a bag and make it fashion is such a weird thing to task these people with because, you know, it it's, it's, it's limiting in that if you don't understand fashion, you're kind of screwed. But it's also unlimited in that, yeah, you still had access to the entire uh, brick room, so it's not like your resources were limited. But this restricted your resources, and it forced you to make something that you're already kind of familiar with. A lot of people who are into LEGO make things like vehicles. So it was both a challenge by limiting their resources, but it made something that it it made it something that they would understand again. And I really liked seeing.
1: And, you know, I was obviously devastated as a guy who's, you know, very proud to be Cuban and like, you know, uh, also a very horny gay man. I obviously loved the Latin daddies, uh, just two beautiful men. It was not sad saying goodbye to them. You know, we make a lot of jokes about how I often come to these shows about who's most beautiful, but I think we agree that I do kind of level out toward talent in the end. One of the things that this season sort of probably pushes a little harder than previous seasons is I feel in some ways this season has people like Robert and Christopher and Sam and Nina, who frankly, along with the married couple whose name escapes me right now, um, but you know, Aubrey and and Ryan, Thank you. Better say handsome very white bread america couple. All three of them would just kill on the amazing race. They would do amazing. I think Sam and Nina could go from here to the amazing race tomorrow and would do great. I think the hot uh, science teachers they would not thrive on the amazing race the same way because they seem a little bit more measured and a little bit more considered in their reactions. And this is a little bit more about high response rate. What this episode really kind of showed me was that they are at this point clearly favoring the let's go with performers who have a little bit more overall reality caveat. And that's where it just doesn't feel like a competition anymore. It just sort of feels like the producers know who is going to have the TikTok follows after this. They know who's going to get the reposts after this. So they're thinking a little bit more about brand identity than they are about uh, what makes for a compelling competition. Oh, no, Teak. uh
2: okay thank uh, you yeah <laughs> i almost did thing why over explained what to do <laughs> um and i all i don't think it would be a huge like we know this happens in reality tv shows i don't think it's a huge deal it's more just i don't know that this is the production staff that knows how to handle the harsh reality of reality tv shows and the fact that you you do kind of have to make those tough decisions, but you also have to make all of the tough decisions before that to lay the groundwork for it. Um, Drag Race was completely ready to have sugar and spice. Enormous TikTok queens that were not really the most Drag Race competition ready. Everything about World of Wonder says, we will sell a piece of our souls For their 7 million followers. That's fine. And the competition can bear it because there's 14 girls and they're nice and dilute amongst that bunch. We know they're probably not top three material, but we see their journey. Whatever, you know, we got rid of sugar early because it was just absurd. If they both stayed too long, uh, you know, that's fine. Lego Masters, you sweet, innocent, uh, you know, Scandinavian lovers of uh three dimensional pixel devices you're build um, you're not ready you're not ready for this harsh gross world where you have to pull in the the hottest builder who can give the most meme builds you're just not ready for it or maybe no. but maybe you can get there maybe this is the the first step uh but in, in this first step we are seeing kind of the glaring uh the innocence of this particular show to the gross world of the interaction between reality TV and social media.
1: And I kind of wonder about the nature of people who are perhaps, and I don't even necessarily mean only fans, adult performers, but people who come from less than what we might consider network savory Yeah, Uh, social
2: media backgrounds. I mean, even Stacy is like not not that she's never done anything, but she's kind of got the voluptuous. You know, she's I mean, she's gorgeous. She uses she works that as she should. She's never I'm you know I'm not saying at all that she has done only fans or and not that there would be any problem with that, but like she is not uh, somebody who is like actively using sexuality for sales. But she does work being very gorgeous. She does things like fan film which is kind of the unlicensed more unsavory side of entertainment Yeah, Uh, and what a success and what an earned win uh, but like very different than just somebody who might come on and be like I can build the Eiffel Tower in five minutes out of whatever I see in front of me that guy probably doesn't have the best social media following or like the career outside of it where he's going to cons well, and then the guy from
1: season one who goes on to have a successful OnlyFans. Uh, you know, that is a thing as well. But I think the the thing I see there is Aaron. Yeah, fucking, you know, buff king on the left. Uh, he went to OnlyFans from here. I'm more wondering about perhaps uh, a little bit more of a... a you know, a bikini string male bodybuilder influencer who maybe decides to try and go in another direction. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think the shows that would give him a chance are things like Worst Cooks. Um, And then you could see that sort of lateral move. I can't think of his name, but the guy that I think is so sweet from uh, Worst Cooks and Food Trucks, who it turns out is from Jersey Shore, Vinny. (laughs) Um, oh, I, was, yeah, I was thinking about The Jersey yeah. Shore guy, Vinny. Um, uh, whichever, yeah. He's on with his mom and his dad, and they have a food truck, and, and like his uncle's honor or whatever. Like, it's it's very sweet and very stupid, but like, um, you know, he does things like the challenge, and uh, a lot of that sort of like sort of cross promotional Viacom sort of material. So I just sort of wonder if Lego Masters. Could be that a little bit more for annoying w- white women that buy palettes from Wish. Like they're not really going to be the ones to do the the nudie influencer boys, but uh, that woman I find way too amusing, Sophia and I, I love her. Uh, she could do like Masters if she knows how to hold. Sophia, I love you. Oh, geez, I'm strung out to dry here. Yikes. So, um, okay, final thoughts on Lego before we move into some
0: script. I'm going through here. my trash. I thought TK would have something to say. I do. I absolutely did not
2: have something to say to that, but I can't do final so thoughts. Sorry. Um, Yeah, final thoughts. I mean, I think we're looking at Sam and Nina, Christopher and Robert, and then question mark for our top three. I think ultimately the top two is really... It's going to be Tamara and Ginger. Uh, exactly. Um, and that's fine. You know, I I hope I, at this point, I have no expectations of Lego Master. I have no predictions besides that top two, just based solely on win numbers. Uh, and I hope we get some cool challenges for them to go off on. And then, you know, I, let's keep rolling right into some holiday stuff. Cause I think that can be all kinds of fun then maybe in the hiatus time as we prepare for season five, we do things a little differently and that'd be really cool. Again, I don't so much care about, uh, you know, doing an even better season next season. I want to see more innovation. I want to see new formatting because we're four seasons in now and maybe this one, this format has gotten a little bit stale. So that's the type of stuff that I'm really excited about.
0: Um, I had thrown away these Stacy pictures and I felt dumb. So I was trying to get them out of my trash.
2: I hate
1: that. I find Nick. So. um, No, he pissed. He's cloying, but in a way that, you know, I think all said and done, one of the things that Lego masters has avoided is too intense a personality. And so even if Nick is kind of, uh, that kind of, that kind of reality show gay, uh, the kind of reality show level, yeah, it was that guy on that season of Worst Cooks uh, that the whole season was influencers and the guy was only famous for doing his Moira Rose impression and they put him on Worst Cooks for no fucking reason. And um, he would
0: just keep doing Moira Rose on uh, Worst Cooks.
1: Yeah, it's that thing where you like somebody, you know, busts you out an impression. And you're like, that's so funny. Do another one. And they do basically the same impression again. And you're like, yikes. Got it. Uh, it's terrible. You know, All right. Oh, by all means. I, please. I didn't
0: go. Uh, I just talked about my trash. Uh,
1: <laughs> I am
0: looking at these finalists uh, that we have left. And it is the moms. Nina and Sam are mom and son, right? Yes. Yeah, it says it. I even have it labeled. Uh, We have siblings and we have tech bros. Uh, So this is going to be an interesting final. It's not what I would have expected. Uh, This is a very different final than I think we are used to. It's fascinating that three of them are are about family and half of them are familial relations of all the ones we have left. Uh, The only ones that are like friends that are about something that's outside of like we're moms and we have that in common. Uh, are Christopher and Robert. So that makes them sort of the outlier. Uh, I don't know what that's going to mean for them going into the finale, but seeing that pattern about the finalists that we have left uh, is very interesting.
1: The, I really think that's an important thing to consider because one of the things that I did catch that I didn't love, and this is not a ding, it's just a thing I know I'm guilty of. Christopher said this episode, he is the biggest Lego fan on this show really what a fucking stupid brag and like i know i do the same thing like you know i'll add a tori amos concert say no you don't understand this song means so much to me yeah no i'm in a room full of 35 to 45 year old homosexuals from major metropolitan and nearby suburban areas for whom hey jupiter the dakota version means that and then some and so you know, it was just a moment of, oh come on, man, uh, really,
0: sir? Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, all right, that's it on Lego Masters. Do we want to? Uh, do we want to roll into some uh, exciting scripted shit? All right, let's do it then. Um, you say yes,
0: and then I'll say
1: yes. But yes, yes. So okay, one of the things I love about the (laughs) no uh tk will not be in drag uh to the question in the comments um though i would absolutely uh, I think any one of us would do a really beautiful show. And so I, Tora, I have
2: always about. said, I won't do it just like randomly, but if a really good queen was like, I will put you in drag. I would do it in a heartbeat. I don't want to do any work myself and I don't ever want to uh, look that rough. I don't ever want to look first timer rough, uh, but like, My dream is for Miss Fame just to be in Portland one day and be like, I'll do your drag. And then I would do it.
0: Same. And Uh, until then. Until then,
1: just uh, monsters. Yeah, we're going to be talking about some scripted shows at this point. Uh, We took a look at our Drag Race coverage a little bit earlier, looked at some Lego Masters. And now we're taking a look at some new shows. And uh, I think we have Beacon 23 up first. Monster Uh,
2: still stands. Oh, agreed. Uh, this was a request from the audience if we were going to see this, if we are going to watch this, and we did. Technically, it was not. It was a request from me that I think everybody kind of ignored, and then we got a request from the audience, and everyone was like, okay, we'll watch it.
1: <sighs> Fine. Uh, I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to uh, quash your credit. Um, so everyone should know that TK created Beacon Twenty Three. You're welcome. And personally cast it. Uh, You're welcome again. He is also Cersei Lannister. I'm also the Beacon and the number twenty three. So <laughs> I want to be space. <laughs> well, I'm the cancellation notice. So, because uh, no. Is- This joke went on way too long. So, uh, okay. I want to say that I started this show having no idea what it was, but TK said, you know, we should check it out. Actual, you know, because we get requests to, you know, watch things. It doesn't mean we're going to do it. But TK was like, yeah, no, we should do it. So we did it. Right. Um, I had no idea what I was getting into. I think what I liked the most was the fact that it felt a lot like alien alien being my favorite um yeah of favorite sci-fi World. franchise of all time um i just i am two episodes in and i don't know that the the show's objective is clear um what i really enjoyed was the phenomenal performances and um what i didn't enjoy was the hellacious nihilism um but I really enjoy um, Lena Headley, Heady. Heady. I think Lena oh, Headley, really. I think Lena Headley was in Aida.
2: I'd have to look it up.
0: Oh yeah, maybe.
2: Mm-hmm. Um. So, I suggested this because it is based off of a book written by Hugh Howey. Who uh, also is the writer of Heather Headley? Thank you. There you go. Uh, who also is the writer of Silo, which we covered a little bit earlier this year? Uh, brought oh, to wow. you by uh, Apple TV for Silo, and That's right. Be- Beacon Twenty Three is on MGM Plus. Now, I personally did not realize MGM Plus existed, uh, so that was uh, you know double revelation. Hugh Howey's got two series this year, and one of them's on uh, MGM Plus. That exists. Uh, right off the bat, a problem I had with Silo. I loved Silo, I think I thought Silo was really good, and I think Silo, the book, is very entertaining. Silo was written in early Kindle days, and it was like, uh, it was we were going through modern pulp printing all over again. Hugh Howie essentially self published. Uh, you know, this, this book on his own. Oh, Kebo, glorious. Thank you. <laughs> you fucking um, gang. <laughs> he self-published this book on his own piece by piece. They were like little novellas and they were really, they were like 99 cents and you would buy them on your, your new Kindle e-ink e-reader because most books were not on there And you didn't have a huge library to choose from, let alone a library of particularly entertaining books. Like a lot of it was public domain stuff that you can, you know, print for free. You can make an ebook edition for free. And then a few other things, but there just wasn't a lot of content. And this guy, more brilliant businessman than he is brilliant sci-fi author. Great sci-fi author, brilliant businessman. He releases the series. It does amazingly well. Again, Huge demand, very little product moving at that time. So he's got a product and he gets it moved. Silo adapted that the silo the show adapted that product with Apple's Apple TV's cachet and budget and desire to produce HBO-esque high quality really you know art programming the best of the genre that you can do and i love that this source material is never quite there this 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 is an author writing essentially modern pulp sci-fi mgm plus producing beacon 23 feels much more like the lane that hugh howey's writing should be in and it adapts much more faithfully it's like you don't ever want to gourmet your kfc chicken you bought kfc for a reason so if somebody's like we took the recipe and we d- you know did all the stuff I didn't I didn't want that i didn't want like you know high quality heritage grains for the breading i just wanted whatever kfc does and this is yeah. this is solid kfc and <clears throat> I thought the thing that this had, and I guess,
1: yeah, you can say it's KFC
2: was it's, it's higher quality than KFC. I was just using that example. Oh, no, I love like, KFC. Get out yeah. Of I mean, me. I love it too, but it's, you know, it's, this is, this is a good quality show. It's just not the most amazing, you know, it's not, uh, no, it's not the same thing as silo is on Apple TV. I thought the intimacy
1: of the fact that it's like two to four people in this first two episodes It was really an interesting move. The thing that I think maybe hurts it is that there's only two build people that doesn't build suspense. That just makes me think you're trying to obfuscate what the cast actually is.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I get it. That's I I didn't have such a huge problem with that. Uh, I think that we in the second episode immediately got an influx of people, regardless of whether or not they stayed uh, sort of helped to show you that this is a this is a show that's just kind of about wild cards uh, and is also really one of those. And then this happened and then this happened. And uh, the episodicness of it early on really establishes that like we could be we could be seeing a lot more people, we could be seeing a lot more actors, even if the show is really saying these two are your fulcrum around which everything is going to rotate.
1: Uh, You know, I I did just feel like it got uncomfortably dark.
2: Um, Oh, I see. I love that.
1: I love it. I really do. I love going to those dark places. I love, uh, you know, storytelling. We just said aliens, my favorite. Like, I love those dark places. What I need is the darkness to mean something. If it's just darkness to be dark, well, I can go to sleep. I promise you, if I close my eyes, I will see scarier things there than anything this show can, you know, can throw my way. But, uh, you know, I felt like uh, the nihilism just kind of bummed me out, like taking philosophy class with a professor who should have retired three years earlier, no
2: matter what. Yikes. I, I'm trusting that. By the end, we will get more. Um, I I can see where you're coming from. It is a little dark right now, and a little kind of pointlessly dark. It's just a little bit like everybody knows the world is terrible, uh, and I'm okay with it. Two episodes in, uh, and there was a third one today, so I actually am going to watch that after we finish up here. Uh, but. Yes. Uh, Tor Jacobson, is it a new Beacon 23 today? Yes, it sure is. Um, But yeah, I mean, if if you end up being, well, I don't want to say correct because this isn't what you're insinuating, but if it turns out that we never get A point to how bleak this world is, or really the two of them saying, in spite of the fact that things are very bleak and dark here, this is what we're doing. This is our intention to break that cycle, to break out of it. If it's just like, and everybody knows everything's always terrible, and all you can do is try and get out of one terrible circumstance and not go into another one. I will find that a little bit like okay, I lived through the 90s and uh, grim, dark cyberpunk. It's actually funny. Cyberpunk keeps coming up keeps coming up on the show lately. That's one of the things I actually really love about this show is on top of being uh, very spacey, it's very cyberpunk-y. It's very yeah. uh, all about how the tech do be thinking and we think into the tech and all that, which is super cool. But yeah, it gets super nihilistic. And if it can't go anywhere but genre trope with it, won't be the greatest thing I've ever seen. Still a fun enough ride. Oh, for sure. Kevo, did
1: you have any thoughts on uh, Cersei Lannister and the, the, the handsome man?
0: <laughs> um, No, I, I was entertained. I just really didn't always feel like I knew what the hell was going on.
1: Nope,
2: not at all.
0: And uh, that doesn't always work for something. Like, I turned to Nico and I was like, if at the end of this episode he's dead and it's just her show, I wouldn't be surprised. The only reason that I uh, felt confident that it wouldn't happen is because he's on the poster. But, you know, uh, that's the thing about this day and age of prestige television as well. That could have also been a ruse. Who knows? Um,
1: Drew but, Barrymore is on the original Scream poster, my friends.
0: yeah. And so I uh, definitely, like I said, am entertained. Um, I just don't know that there is a grander purpose or that it's going anywhere or if it is just going to be this nihilist world and they live in it and it's going to be that until the show ends. And not everything needs some sort of giant mythology. She doesn't need to be the daughter of the Beacon I don't need her to become the new beacon, (laughs) anything like that. I'm not saying that it needs to be that extreme, Uh, but I just I'm not sure what to make of it or what the intention is or if it's just going to be a bunch of vignettes about like like TK was saying or if it's just going to be life is horrible and you got to survive it. That's it.
1: Her brother is also a beacon, and she fucks him.
2: I do think there is a larger plot at work here that will get revealed. I think one of the things this show did uh, that I I think sci-fi does to really mixed results. I remember the first time I really thought about this was when the movie Primer came out and was really popular. Uh, Shane Kareth, who it turns out is a terrible person, but I will be talking about and quoting him here, um, talked about how... He felt that one of the things that can make really dense sci-fi, like really hard conceptual sci-fi that just has a lot of jargon work, is if two characters in dialogue talk about it as though they're so familiar with it, they're not going to do expository dialogue. Uh, And they will even cut each other off mid-sentence explaining the thing because both of them know, so why would they keep talking about it? And you can, through kind of working that dialogue uh, style out, actually get the exposition done in a way that feels natural and works. And I think sometimes the other side of that is if you don't do it quite right if you don't quite get those marks it does just end up being two people never explaining to you what's going on and the writer never finding a way to explain what's going on i i have a lot of respect for the fact that that ai is never like as you know this is what the company does like you know the there's really not a lot of offensive expository dialogue but i think maybe they did such a good job that they went all the way over to the other side and uh didn't explain enough so i think there is an overarching plot i think we will really get to understand a lot of it but i know it can be tough If you're six episodes in and you're still so confused that even when they give you answers, you say to yourself, "Okay, I get the general idea that now they're going to cross over into the other dimension. But I don't get why those eight other things that I had questions about happened. And I don't see where I can find those answers. Yeah, I love it. Uh, Did anybody have anything
1: left on? um, uh, I went to go call it Rust. Because we were talking about Silo Beacon Twenty Three, thank you so much. Uh, Bacon, uh, egg, and cheese. Yeah, uh, with uh, salt and pepper. That is the order. As uh,
2: Jonah screamed she's salt into the and night. Pepper. Yeah, I know, you know. I love how they they made her a little rough around the end. They gave her that Yorkshire accent. Uh, she's got the the grays. She's looking great. I love her so much, and he's the most beautiful man. Jesus Christ. Um, yeah. That's all wild. I have to say. That's. That's all I have to say about this show. They they just look great. Everybody's having fun. Uh, I don't I don't hope they kiss. Um, no, not at all. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited to keep going with this one. I don't know if this will be one that we cover weekly on the show. I love if I'd love if we could touch base on it again. But I personally am definitely going to be watching the full season.
1: Let's talk about things that we are going to be watching uh, real. This one, I think we
2: all agree. uh, This next one, we're all definitely going to be watching.
1: I think we can agree. We went ape shit for this one.
2: And by the way, as we are talking about this, literally my uh, Twitter feed is nothing but people talking about this and how good it is and how Apple TV is just not even attempting to market their best show.
1: This so monarch legacy of monsters. I want to watch it because I generally I, this is going to sound like pretty terrible, but uh, I, I'll watch kind of anything that has like a giant monster on it. Like, I that it just makes me sound so basic and kind of like lowest common denominator, but like if it's got a giant monster on it, I'm in. And I didn't actually realize that it was copyright brand Godzilla. I was just like, no, this looks like a fucking syndicated, low-budget TV with a lot of money behind it. I'm in. And uh, I... You said
2: syndicated, low-budget TV with a lot of money behind right. it. Right.
1: This looks like it's just one of those low-budget, syndicated shows, but somebody put tons of money into this one. Right?
0: Like Teen Wolf. Like how I feel about that month-long binge of Teen Wolf that I just did. Where, yes. you know what? The only thing that made Teen Wolf not actual crap is putting any amount of money into it, not like literally being janky fur glued to a teenager's face. That's so, the only thing.
1: So I I put this on with Kevo and uh, I kind of cuddle into him and we hit play and we're kind of just cuddling and, it's sort of like 10 seconds into like the really good cozy kind of cuddling when both of us keep going, Oh shit. And so like, we're now jumping out of the, out of the cuddle and we're like pointing at the screen. And Kevin was like, babe, I think this is in that, this is in that monster movie universe. Hold on. And so I'm like, what? And so like, <laughs> the whole thing unfurls. Uh, I went from n- interested because I like dumb monster shit to Really impressed with the show's budget, uh, intensity, quality of writing, uh, adapted for TV, creative staff with Matt Fraction, one of the finest men to ever work in the comic medium. Um, You know, really, this is the absolute monster surprise hit of my late fall.
2: And I'm going to really work hard to not spoil too much because this is one that I really hope our listener, I know a lot of people are not watching by default because uh, Apple really isn't advertising it much. And I don't want to give too much away because I really want you all to experience this as it happens. It's got really great reveals. It's really building a mythos. And I think it is doing so uh in a way that will support watching the movies, but doesn't require it. I saw the first Godzilla movie of this ilk, the one with uh, Aaron Taylor Johnson and twins. what's that? The incest twins. The exactly. Twins, yep. it, uh, Aaron Taylor Johnson and Elizabeth Olsen as husband and wife, right before they would play brother and sister. Uh, but you know, as far as that brother and sister do are concerned, it's one and the same. So it was Better great. You, no, that's just one couple um, to another
1: a million little pieces.
2: So I saw that one. I didn't see uh, Godzilla: King of Monsters. I didn't see Kong Skull Island. There's another one I know I didn't see. There's another show I know I didn't see. So like I just saw that initial one, which I didn't hate, but I wasn't like game changer. And then I kind of, when I saw this is coming out, I kind of thought to myself, I would like to go back and watch everything and watch this. And then a time came up when we could do it for the show. So I thought. This will actually be an interesting experiment to see, does this work? We just... Uh had this conversation about another property. I'm trying to remember what it was. Oh, for it was Ahsoka. Um, I I had not seen any of the Clone Wars, so can I love Ahsoka having not, well, I had seen very little of the Clone Wars. Can I love Ahsoka having seen very little of the Clone Wars, having seen very little of Rebels? Yes, absolutely you can. This is another one, absolutely. They did a brilliant job designing this so that you can enjoy it if you haven't seen those things. Um. I what I was I really love the monster story and, and what they're doing with uh Godzilla's impact in the world and how like the world is you spray down on the on the yep, how the world is changing and evolving because this is their reality now. So, but the family story that is taking place where the main character is reckoning with Insanely difficult family dynamics, ones that like are semi-recognizable to, to me, uh, and how that is weaving into how her dynamic with her father in particular, who is involved with Monarch, this organization that is tracking kaiju, uh, just... It results in some really great writing of character development and writing. And one of the most beautiful, tender, complicated moments uh, when, you know, a matriarchal figure has to sort of step in and show this main character who you see on screen now love and kindness in the middle of a situation where... That just isn't really feasible for a number of reasons. And it just, I, I, I I really cried when I saw that scene because I was so overtaken by how smart it was to, to be able to work through all these emotions that feel like, yeah, you know, if I lived in a world where Kaiju attacked, uh, these are some of the things that I, I definitely think I would be feeling in my life.
0: Like magical realism at its absolute finest, one hundred percent. Because if it wasn't for us being this show, I I, I was saying to Nico, I would kind of want to just watch this cold and then yeah. go back after the season because I really feel like they've done such a great job. It's like we were talking about on Beacon Twenty Three. They've done such a great job so far in these first two episodes of making it that as long as you know. Godzilla and King Kong are monsters that exist, and that, that whole franchise is the, what they are pulling from. Yep. You don't need to have seen those movies. You don't yep. need to know anything. Um, and they have really thrust you into this world where you're like, oh my god, It's it feels like my world, but it has this absolute incredible change. And yep. uh, you know, part of why I'm not bringing up more images is because I really... I, I, I love how much we've fallen in love with this project. I am so excited for us to catch up. I don't want to flash too many spoilery images. I yep. want our audience to go catch up uh, if they can. Uh, we're, we, we, we are so thrilled with this project so far. And uh, the performances, uh, it's got so many actors that you wouldn't expect uh, in this. Anders Holmes uh, yeah, in this uh, great performance. Yep. Uh, the Russells. Uh, I kind of felt like they were maybe milking the older, younger thing a little bit too hard. But so much of this is clearly about duality and binary. And and it's clearly such uh, they're putting so much effort into this art. So I'm really
3: stoked. I
2: like, like to think they're just really uh, thumbing their noses at Marvel who uh, shot their Kurt Russell load a little too soon and then got Wyatt Russell for Jack, and now they can't ever use Kurt Russell again as being related to him. Well, and, you know, (laughs) I also want to point
1: out that something that this show is doing that I would love to see Marvel do, uh, but I don't know that they're going to show that kind of bravery, is this show is really leaning into just saying, you know what, this is a bilingual show. Yeah, There is just an unbelievably healthy amount
2: of Japanese here. Yep. Um, that and- is not always translated for you. Even if you put subtitles on, there are times where the, the, the there's no burn-in subtitles. The show never, almost never uh, gives you... If you don't turn on closed captioning or some kind of subtitling, it's almost never going to show you what is being said in the foreign tongue. So they specifically are comfortable with you not knowing exactly what was said and using context clues to understand what was said. But then even sometimes when you turn on subtitling, it will just say mother speaks in Japanese. And you know, this isn't the Grammys, right? It's not deeply offensive
1: here. uh, If it just says speaks in Spanish. (laughs) Um, But you know, the real thing for me that I felt was so important is Godzilla is a concept from Japan that America just sort of borrows because we love borrowing art. And so if we're going to borrow this art, we should respect the culture that the art is borrowed from. So, you know, seeing such an emphasis on creating a view of this story that includes real to life, Asian cultural experiences You know, that's really important. And then I'm going to say, you know, the other thing that really blows me away is the complexity of the family story never feels like it says, fuck you to the kaiju. It almost feels like we're living in a kaiju world. How could you do
2: this to us? Isn't life hard enough with the big lizard? Yep. There's also a sense of like, uh, I saw how scary the actual world is, and I just wanted to fuck to, like, deal with the pain of that. Thus, I have made children, and now I'm dealing with the ramification. Now everybody has to deal with the ramifications of the fact that, like, I got spooked by a giant monster. And, you know... Oh, Kevy, by all
1: means...
0: I'm fascinated to uh, learn more about that character, his history, their father, uh, because I, I don't know if this is a character from the movies, is the thing. Uh, I'm not looking it up yet. I will. But, like, that's the thing. It could be. And maybe we're learning more about a character's backstory. Maybe he will weave into things from the movies. Uh, you know, I don't exactly expect MCU levels of psychotic interconnectedness But uh, there are things that you can do. And they have this material now that they can pull history from. And that's really cool.
1: You know, and I was also really, I I turned to Kevo at the beginning of it. And I was like, it's so interesting. That's John Goodman. So I guess now you can say that he's run from two giant monsters, Roseanne and Rodan. So uh, I just think that is absurd. Um, But... You know, the thing that this show has going for it is I had no expectations. I thought this was going to be Gene Roddenberry's Andromeda levels of what am I fucking watching? I went into this thinking it was going to be the WB's Mutant X Saturday afternoons at 2 p.m. And then again at 1 a.m. But uh, it turns out this is... Art. This is quality art. And it's not just quality art. It's quality art made by a person I explicitly trust. Well, yes, on more than one occasion, Matt Fraction turned out a story that did not go how I would have wanted. Matt Fraction's track record is overwhelmingly in his favor. Uh, That's the guy who did sex criminals. It is not what you think. It is so much worse. Um, he also is famous for the the super famous Hawkeye run, the super famous Iron Fist run, <laughs> a really terrible Punisher run, <laughs> uh, an okay X-Men there, run. I was
2: going to say there were some X-Men in there. It wasn't great.
1: Uh, but Fraction um, is responsible for the what I often like to call cerebralification of the big ideas at Marvel. He created the concordance engine, and uh, this is not how the world ends. So he did some really cool work that should always be remembered as very special. Uh, And to see him get his flowers, as contributor Jonah would say, uh, I could not be happier for a creator. This really is someone who put in a life of work to get the work of a lifetime. That's pretty cool. Yeah, and is nailing it. Yeah. All right. So, uh, you know, the big question for me is, do we have any major thoughts
2: on where this might go? Uh, no, I I don't and I don't want to. Um, I. I don't know what we can be expected to see. I know vaguely like a couple of the other like known Godzilla entities that have shown up in other movies. Uh, and well, so we said it's Godzilla, King Kong, Roseanne, Brett Butler. Uh, and I don't know if we're expecting any of those to show up again. Um, and I don't want it, like you know, I'm, I'm, this is one where I'm so just along for the ride, uh, and I'm excited to go back. Like, like Kevo said, I'm excited to go back and connect the dots, but I, I actually like my biggest thought is not so much my predictions or anything, but how exciting it is to like Godzilla take the wheel on this one, and then I'm gonna (laughs) I'm gonna go back and and make make my own connections.
0: I just want it to be fun. Yeah, Yeah. I am excited to see what they do with it. I don't want to take it too seriously. I'm just excited to learn what they've done so far. But I'm not like, you know, I don't. I'm not worried about you know how this is going to affect the monster verse lore or. What revelations from this might, you know, whatever. We talked at the top of this about the Children in Need uh, special scene that dropped last Friday for Doctor Who, getting us super stoked for Doctor Who to come out this Saturday. And I'm already seeing some of the sourest reactions. And it's like, there have been four and a half minutes of this Doctor. And we're already Just like, remember fun let's just have fun this is a giant lizard that breathes plasma radiation uh so i'm really hoping that uh it's just a really cool fun time uh you know doesn't take itself too seriously doesn't do anything too obnoxious or anything like great we got all of the uh angry family drama out of the way let's all start being friends now Uh, like let's it should be about banning together against the monsters and trying to survive it. And that's what I'm looking forward to. That's the heart of these monster movies to me.
1: Well, and you know, I sent Kevo uh, an image I'm hoping he can put up for me, but like, you know, when we're talking about the things that we're hoping for from this franchise and this series, uh, and we're talking about familial connections, I think that that actually is the heart of, you know, the monster movie The monster movie is about confronting the reality of either suburban or urban life around us. Um, and I even think that's why we don't see quite so many like farm monster movies anymore. Uh, you know, signs is signs. I, okay. I watched signs really recently, absurdly drunk in Asbury park. And I think it wouldn't have been better if I wasn't super drunk. I gotta be honest. Uh, that movie, I don't know that it holds up. Uh, so This is the familial connection, I think, that would make this universe even better. Um, I would really love to see Godzuki. Uh, Godzuki is, of course, Godzilla's baby from the animated series Godzilla and Godzuki. So what was this
0: like the 80s?
1: Yeah, mid to late 80s. Okay, Uh, I live for Godzuki. I think he is just the greatest thing um he's just a sweet baby uh he is so wonderful all he wants is friends and he lives on like he lives like flying around the boat kind of like a pet puff the magic dragon um and then when the boat gets in trouble they summon godzilla godzuki's parent to like come help out um so uh, i love godzuki and i think it would just be really great if this got written in um i obviously think it can't you know you only get one end game in a lifetime, but uh, it would be really great to see them be that brave.
0: I had a little stuffed dinosaur that kind of looked like Godzuki instead of the arms with the attached wings. Uh, he had more like little front paws, but like the spikes were the same and his skin was yellow. And my sister had one that was pink with uh, purple spikes. So that's really funny.
1: Uh, I love that. Okay. I'm not crying on air. Um, all right. So uh yeah, no, tasty cakey of the best taste. Uh to cakes. Um, but uh all right, let's wind this uh this bad boy down. We got some really cool uh programming coming your way in the next couple of weeks. Uh, you know, we talked about some really cool stuff today. We talked a lot about Glam Glam Slam, which I think is gonna factor into our ongoing uh drag race coverage, right? No. We've got what if coming up at the end of December. It's gonna be nine episodes in nine days. Oh my
0: god, right?
1: Let's figure out how we're going to fucking do that. Um, We have some holiday stuff coming up. Uh, We've got some cool, some cool special stuff coming your way. Um, I believe uh, we have the, we have an unusual situation where our Sunday broadcast is going to be a a Christmas Eve uh, broadcast. So maybe we do something cool with a crackling fireplace. I don't know. I have to build one, but, uh, Anybody got anything they're really excited about coming up in the next couple of weeks? I know I'm looking forward to finishing out our Ghost Rider coverage with Thanks Ghosting.
0: I'm super stoked
1: about Ghost Rider.
3: Oh,
0: did uh, you read my mind? Was I already popping that link into the chat to remind everyone that we've got some uh, more Ghost Rider coverage coming up uh, real soon? Uh, So that's really awesome. Uh, Loved part one uh, and... Yeah, with all the uh, new comic titles that are going to be relaunching in January, now is a good time to brush up on your history.
2: Um, I'm also excited. We There's other new shows to talk about, uh, which actually brings me to my point. Uh, one show that we are not covering on this show, but I have been watching and a lot of people have been talking about, and dear audience, I beg you to... As soon as you finish up here, go sit down and start watching Scavenger's Reign. It is truly one of the, if not the greatest animated shows I have ever seen. It is so gorgeous and disturbing and wonderful and beautifully written and phenomenal. And uh, I just wanted to shout out to Scavenger's Reign because it's super cool. All right. Well, then let's check it
1: out. See what we want to do. Maybe we cover it here.
2: Yeah, I'd love maybe it.
1: you, maybe me. Who knows? Right. Uh, super into it. Love that. Thank you so much for pointing out something because like, you know, we all have interests that uh, don't make it onto this show. Uh, and that's that's totally real. Uh, you know, I love you bringing up uh, Scavenger's Reign. Kevo, I love you getting an opportunity to talk about uh, the excitement of Doctor Who coming back. Uh, you know, I know for me, I I love all my game shows. Uh, But if I'm going to be really excited about something, uh, you know, going on with TV right now, I think uh, the big thing is this Hulu Disney plus app merger. If I'm hoping for something, it means maybe a a few fewer programs and maybe a little bit higher focus on making the ones that they make really strong. So uh, mine isn't a program though. There are so many great programs out there. Mine is the promise of maybe tighter programming in the next couple of years. So, uh, all right, well, Kevo, thank you so much for pimping out my SoundCloud. Super excited. I finally got everything over to the same name. Super grateful. Uh, So you heard my mixes of Somnambulist by BT, Catwalk by RuPaul, uh, and more. Uh, Super grateful for all the music you dropped in tonight, Kevo. Uh, You are the best producer in the universe, and I can't wait for you to do more amazing work on our show later on this week. Oh, but I do want to say... It's not just our show where you can check out the amazing Tasty Cake, myself, TK, but much more notably Kevo. Uh, As Tasty Cake pointed out, uh, there is another show that everybody occasionally is on. Uh, So you guys can always check out the Legend of the Traveling Tardis, TLTT, where uh, Kevo provides some amazing artwork and uh, more notably Tom and Kevo uh provide incredible contributions but occasionally me and TK you never know uh when we're going to pop in right
0: yeah this week we are going to be discussing the um first revival doctor who christmas special and i am super stoked uh for that because we are coming up on the holiday season uh, and I have been vamping because, Tika, I apologize. I only just now got the image that you had. Oh, no, no, no. Me. That's Obviously totally
2: fine. That. It's not, it's no longer relevant, but I just thought it was very oh. cute. Flash me anyway. Fine.
0: I'll flash it to you later.
1: So uh, I am so grateful for everybody, everything they do, uh, and of course, Doctor Who. But Kevo, until we come back, uh, whether it's Tuesday on TLTT, wednesday here for our comic broadcast or of course our usual saturday and sunday bringing you all the media that we can pack into like six hours
2: uh where can everybody find you
1: online
0: you can find me on the socials over at Kevo really
2: Teek, where can everyone find you you can find me at tk elemental nico where can everybody find you
1: just hop online and search nico action you can find me everywhere and until we come back next time three things number one uh comment like and subscribe Right? Uh that's all one thing. Number two, stay safe. That's all one thing, but it's actually all one second thing. And then all one third thing is be brave and evolve daily. Right. Because if I start saying it's six things, everyone's gonna be like, fuck, how is that a sign off? So I gotta clean it up, but uh until We're gonna i gonna workshop yeah, it. Yeah, I'm gonna wash my mouth out with soap, get it all cleaned up, and uh we will my resolution. I thought it was your Saint Bernard. But until oh, now. Na- oh, Your mother's still time. living. Your mother's still living. Those three magic world words, quick, call nine one one. Um This was a grand slam. Oh god. It. Uh, Turn it off. Turn it uh,
0: off. grand slam. Love you, everyone.